things girlfriends share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? All right. Welcome. Welcome. Hello. Hello. This is Patty Wyatt. I will be the host today as we are chatting with Marty Machowski. He's the executive editor for Children's Resources at New Growth Press, and he also leads Promise Kingdom, a children's ministry as well as a family life pastor at Covenant Fellowship Church in Pennsylvania, where he has served on the pastoral staff for 30 years. And we have Marty on the show today because he's also the author of numerous resources for churches and families, including the Gospel Story for Kids series and his newest book, Parenting First Aid. So welcome, Marty. How are you today? I'm doing great, Patty. Thanks for having me on your program. Well, I'm excited because right now, of course, after this kind of after the pandemic and all of us that are um, quarantined, some of us are still quarantined. It has been a crazy time to be homeschooling, trying to work, having kids running in and out of your house. And some of them just are not good parent or good roommates. <laughs> my, mine are a little bit older. <laughs> so, uh, and so just talking about, you know, we all know that perfect parenting does not exist, but it has taken me well into, I think my oldest is 25, maybe he's 26. I forget because I'm not the perfect parent, but <laughs> we want to know that if we follow the rules, follow the methodology, that our children will be happy and have fabulous friends and they'll achieve professional success and love Jesus. So tell us, you have this new book, Parenting First Aid. How do, how do we make this happen, Marty? Yeah, that's that's a great question. If I could actually answer that for every one of your listening audience, package it up, <laughs> put it in a bottle, I would be a millionaire. Yes. And I'll tell you, this pandemic has been a little bit like, you know, it's 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 like a car ride with all your kids cooped up in a small mm-hmm. space. You know, if the car rides 15 minutes, everybody says, are we there yet? And we say, yeah, we're there. Uh, but then, you know, if you're traveling like me going to a vacation from Pennsylvania down to Florida and it's this 15 to 20 hour drive, depending on where you're going, uh, that car ride gets long. Well, this pandemic has been like a three month long car drive. <laughs> So that's a tough one. You know, your kids are getting antsy. They want to be out. They want to socialize. They want to see their friends and they're not allowed. You you know, you've got to be careful because really lives can be in danger. Yeah. But to get to your to get to your question, um, we do it, people, parents like to have some measure of control over the outcome of their children. And we're led to believe we we hope that if we do the right things. That it's kind of like, you know, you put the combination in the lock and the shackle opens. It's just that simple. <laughs> and with parenting, I learned that you could put the right combination in and for whatever reason, the lock doesn't open and it mm-hmm. seems like you've got trouble. And oh my, what do you do then? And short and sweet, 
what I've discovered is that the parenting journey isn't simply the maturing of an infant through to adulthood. It's also the maturing of an adult. Mm. God uses the parenting trials that he allows to sharpen, to grow, and to build us as parents to bring us closer to the Lord, to make us look more like Christ. He changes us through those trials. Mm. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> It's, it's not supposed to be about, about me maturing. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. One of the things that I noticed that my, my mom did and, you know, I, I look back and six kids, just like you, you have six children. I'm the baby of six and my mom would walk to the corner when I would be walking home from school. And I can remember it from, you know, kindergarten on. She would meet us at the corner and she would act like you were the greatest thing in life when she would see you. Mm. And usually when I was younger, I remember running into her arms and she would, you know, bend down. And because of that one act of love of her just lighting up when she would see each and every, and I noticed as we got older, she still would stop what she was doing and light up when, when she saw us. And I, I realized I don't do that, but it's, I'm aware of it. In other words, uh, just the other day, both of my daughters walked in the door and I'm, you know, on my computer at, at the kitchen counter and I, it made me think of that. I knew I was going to be talking with you today. So I was aware of my parenting apparently. And <laughs> I just thought, get up, close your laptop down and greet them and be so excited. And mm. I, it's just interesting what you can look at and go, that is a significant thing, I think. Because especially as a parent, we have a tendency to look at, oh, you didn't comb your hair. I mean, even when from their younger to their older, like, why are you wearing those shorts? Or that shirt's too tight on you. Or you know, we have it's more true. of a critical eye rather than going, okay, I am so excited that I get to be your parent. And I love that you just walked in the door right now. And, and then, you know, you, as I say that out loud, some people would be like, okay, too far, you know, then that's why they're so spoiled when they leave. They think everybody's going to greet them that way. But <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you are absolutely right. And the very fact that you remember, I mean, how many things did you forget? Right. You know, you, you remembered your mom's affectionate love toward you. And there is no more powerful tool that we have in our parenting toolbox than genuine affection and love and mm -hmm. encouragement. I mean, so I, I have had some real challenging times with uh, several of my kids, particularly my oldest son. He went through a season of rebellion. He was the, the typical prodigal son mm. doing what he wanted. I mean, I was the, the, the pastor who got the call can you pick up your son in the, at the local police station? That's the, that's the call nobody wants <laughs> I to get. Right. And, and, you know, after the Lord rescued him, uh, say three, four years after that whole season, um, he, we were just driving in the car and he said, dad, do you, you, you know what really affected me most through those difficult years? I said, what? 
And he said, do you remember that day I got arrested? I came back. I didn't want to talk. Um, and I said, oh, yeah, I remember that day. And uh, he said, well, you know, I thought you were going to just lay the hammer down on me, mm -hmm. take away everything I owned, never let me speak on a cell phone for the rest of my life, you know, ground me for all my days. And he said, you didn't do any of that. Mm -hmm. You you put your hand on my shoulder. You asked if you could pray for me. And then in your prayer, you just prayed for my good, that God would help me. You didn't yell at me. You didn't scream. And, and now I'm thinking to myself, like, Praise God, the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. was with me because that's everything in my flesh wanted to do. I wanted to scream at him. Yeah. I wanted to jump up and down. I wanted to, to throw the book at him. I wanted to yeah. hammer him. I wanted to, I wanted to do all those things. But in that moment, I didn't. And he, this is what he said. He said, God showed me what he was like through your example. Mm. And I thought, Oh God, it was your kindness. That helped me. And then I start to think about, okay, well, how does God change us? He's, he's the God of all correction. No, he's the God of all encouragement. It's his, you know, uh, rebuke that leads us to repentance. No, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And, and what I learned is that when I demonstrate the love and forgiveness that God demonstrates towards me to my kids to be long suffering, to not treat them as their sins deserve, to put their sins as far as the East is from the West, to forgive them, to be understanding, to have compassion, to look upon them and have pity on them in their distress and recognize that I have the truth that they need to do those things demonstrates God to them mm -hmm. and, that's what they really need. Yeah. Yeah. That's a powerful story, a powerful story. Cause you're right. As a parent, uh, we, we, we definitely have some words <laughs> to, to share <laughs> when they're not. And, and I, like you said, it, as parents, we want to have, we want to have that control. And when they go down a path that we don't agree with and their value system starts changing and we don't have control, uh, we, we want to unleash some of those words and those thoughts onto them. And I, and that, that's such a great tip for our listeners to, to truly, um, you know, pause and, and that, that could be a time where you're either breathing air into them and letting the Holy Spirit do the job or you're sucking the life out of them. I have an equation that I use and that is if you, uh, have an equal sign and on one side of the equal sign is your encouragements and on the other side is your corrections. Uh, you know, do they at least equal out? Is that a good equation or, uh, do, do your corrections far exceed your encouragements? If you want that equation to be imbalanced, so much better that you would be encouraging your children more than you're correcting them. Mm. And so I think like a balance scale, so many of us as parents, the side of the scale that's heaviest is the side on correction. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we, you mentioned it earlier, you know, 
You need to clean your room. You need to do your homework. You need to make sure that you do the dishes when we're done the 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 meal and get them in the dishwasher, put them in, the, and then don't forget you said that you were going to practice your violin. And you know all all corrections. Uh, instead, pulling them over and say, "Hey, I just want you know as we're finishing dinner today and you're about to do the dishes, I just wanted to thank you for your willingness." to help out in the house and put the dishes in the dishwasher. It really helps me. Um, you know, when they do do their, in, their homework without being asked, pulling them aside and saying, hey, you did something amazing tonight. You took responsibility and you did your work on your own. That is huge. Let me tell you how that's going to serve you in life. So mm. many people never get that. They always have to have someone reminding them, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And what do you think a boss thinks when you eventually have a job? If you're a person that they've always got to track down and tell what they have to do that day, you're not the person that's going to get promoted. But if you do it in life, what I just saw you do today, that is going to cause you to be uh, ahead of your peers, your bosses are going to recognize you. Your professors are going to acknowledge in your grade your efforts in your work. I just want to just commend you. Well done. Now, you start mm-hmm. to talk like that to a child, a teen, a, a preteen, even a younger child in second or third grade, and they light up like a Christmas tree. Mm. You know, what you just said, too, I, I love that because you're casting the vision with your children. And I I don't think we consider that like we like you said, we do it at, at work. And if we're training them, they'll they'll be an excellent employee or employer uh, to, to be able to cast the vision when you're I liked your equal encouragement and corrections. Is it even or even more on the encouragement side. I'm a corporate trainer and I talk about that like 80% cotton candy, 20% salt. And that is give them positive feedback continuously. So when you come along with redirective feedback, you've earned the right to breathe into them. And I, That's I think good. if we use that in with in our family and at home, it's so true, but we have a tendency to let all those rules go out and, and then we get home and we're just, we're a horrible boss as a parent because we just want to tell them what to do, but leaders listen, managers tell. And, uh, you know, a, another thing you, you said, and it made me think of, um, if you were, cause when you were talking, I thought, you know what, I need to go apologize to my 18 year old after I heard you say that, cause I've been doing a lot of that. Um, she's not being a good roommate right now. And so I do have a tendency, I'm, I'm telling her what needs to be done and how am I encouraging her right now? And so as you hear these refresher, you know, moments of, Hey, I know better. So even hearing you say that it's, um, kind of piercing my soul. And I, I remember a friend of mine from college, she had her kids for What's one thing you would do differently as a parent? And she said, I I would embrace more of my failures with my children rather than them thinking I was all that and I'm perfect and I'm amazing and they can't live up to these expectations. She goes, I would go back and say, you know what? I really messed up over here. Please forgive me for that. And just now as you were saying that, I thought, you know, I need to go to her and go, "I'm, I'm messing up in this little pandemic time. 
please forgive me. And I want you to know all the amazing things that you are doing. So if you are listening and you're hearing this, it's not too late to go back. And they appreciate that when we show our failures as well. Yeah, you know, Patty, you're absolutely right. And your instincts, I think, are right spot on. The the worst thing, just one of the worst things that I've heard from people who have grown up about their parents is, you know, oh, my dad never did anything wrong. Oh, my mom would never admit she had made any mistakes. It was always my fault. It was always our fault. That is such a, you know, the Bible says don't exasperate your children. You want to exasperate your kids? Uh, never admit your own failures. Uh, it, it's such an important thing for us to do is to confess our failures. Uh, if you're in a, in a small group and you're talking about, oh, let's say, uh, you're talking about gossip is the is the topic of discussion. Uh, nobody wants to be a gossiper. You know, here you're in a circle. Oh, yeah, gossip's not good. Gossip's nobody's confessing. But if one person opens up in that means, so look, I just got to confess. I just want to say uh, not only do can I gossip, but I'm just convicted right now about an incident just this week where I um, talked about one of my neighbors to another neighbor. And I just realized now I got to go back and I got to, I got to make that right. All of a sudden the entire group mm-hmm. opens up and begins sharing their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. But we as parents, we want our teens. Why won't you tell me what's going on? Why won't you tell me what you're thinking? Why, why, why didn't you tell me that you were going to get an F in that class? Why, mm-hmm. why did you hide that, that uh, progress report? And you know, uh, if our kids could talk, they'd say, well, I'm not perfect like you. Mm-hmm. But if we are confessing our sin to our kids, hey, you know what, Susie, when I uh, asked you to clean your room earlier today, um, the Lord convicted me. I was angry. And uh, the Bible says the anger of man does not achieve the righteous life that God requires. And I know that that hurt you. The tone of my words hurt you, didn't it? Uh, then your kid shakes their head. Yes, you realize, oh, I knew it. And so would you just please forgive me? And uh, I want to let you know, I'm going to be asking my accountability group to help me just to just to speak words gently and with kindness. And I'm going to try to do better next time. Mm. Uh, wow. If your child is growing up in that that bed of confession and humility, and they make a mistake. They are so much more free to go to a mom who makes mistakes. And what it does also for them is it can give them a pathway to the gospel. I've asked God to forgive me. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, dying for my sins, I know I'm forgiven, but I need to ask you to forgive me too. And Mm -hmm. what a great uh, lesson for our kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And I love that. You have that in your book, talking about that, how our kids would open up, you know, if we're the first ones to confide, if we're the first ones to share, then most likely you can have those conversations. And, uh, so the great book, I love that concept, um, that you, that you put in there also in your book, I want to talk about, cause this, especially right now during this quarantine, and it's not just boys, we're talking, uh, about girls as well. Just the apps. And I, I just was talking to a mom this weekend and she has a 15 year old boy and she discovered, you know, some things on that he was looking at 
on his phone, which is so hard to do because, you know, especially with Snapchat and these things that go away in 24 hours, all these new apps that we're not even familiar with (laughs) how to even look at. But her thing was when she tried to have this conversation with him, he's saying, but I was, uh, you know, she's, you, you only can do so much screen time. Well, they're all on Zoom because of their classes. So mm-hmm. now we can't even figure out, okay, you need to put your phone away because then they, you know, there's an excuse of I had to go get my phone because I was laying there at midnight and I realized I didn't turn in this assignment or, and it's really hard because you're going, I don't want to accuse you of lying, but I want to have these conversations and, you know, what they're being exposed to with, with porn and just the negativity on social media that's hitting them daily. Uh, it, it's, it's just this, this blur of, you know, sexuality, like you said in your, in your book. What are some of the tips that you can help us with? Cause we definitely need first aid in that situation. Yeah. It's a, it's a real tough one because, you know, uh, here's what I would say to parents. You're not going to be able to know everything. It's just, that's the world we live in. And uh, what typically happens is we assume everything is okay until it's not okay. And then we feel the urgency of, uh, you know, a life and death situation to need to talk about it right then. And so we unload the whole dump truck of truth into a moment of crisis. And that just doesn't work well. So what we need to do instead is we need to have ongoing discipleship and conversation. So what you want to do is uh, what I recommend is schedule in your calendar at least once a month but it could be twice a month where you spend time with your preteen, your teen. Um, and it's a little challenging here now that we're in, uh, you know, COVID season. What I was doing with my kids is taking them out for an ice cream or taking them out for some French fries, um, something that wasn't very expensive that we could do a slice of pizza at the local pizza shop. So maybe you need to, to, you know, bring in some Chick-fil-A fries and, uh, pick them up and drive through and then drive to a park and sit down. But well, what you do is you begin a conversation and you just say, hey, I know there are a ton of pitfalls with a phone. Do you know any of your friends right now who have had any struggles in any of these areas? Don't give me their names. I just want to know, are you aware of this kind of thing? Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm aware. All right. Now, how do we develop a relationship where we can have a safe zone to talk about the challenges because they're going to affect you too. Don't you agree? They're going to affect you too. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they, they will, you know? <laughs> and, and so here's what I would say. There is no quick way to take what it, it needs to be established over years and try to shoehorn that into a crisis in one conversation. Now, if you find yourself, if you're saying, oh, great, Marty, why weren't you on this program a year ago? Because I'm in that <laughs> crisis. I'm right there right now. And I, I and I just pulled my shoehorn out of the drawer and I got my conversation. I'm about ready to shove it. And <laughs> now, hold on, mom or dad. What you need to do is to recognize this problem isn't going to go away with one conversation. What you need to do is start the discipleship process. And 
begin with just one conversation. And how's it going? I saw some things on your phone. I don't want to talk about all it now. I don't want to lay it on you. But I just want to give an opportunity for you to say, hey, how is life going? Um, that's why I took you out. We got uh, waffle fries at Chick-fil-A or we got French fries at McDonald's or we got an ice cream at the local ice cream shop. I just wanted to let you know I love you and that I want to be there for you to help you. I, I Quite frankly, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to help you all the way because I didn't have some of this stuff going on when I was your age. But I just want to let you know that you have a listening ear in mom or you have a listening ear in dad and I want to be there for you. Now, uh, I would also say on the preventative side, parents have gotten to the place where they, they feel like they can't say no to their kids. Uh, if your six or seven-year-old is telling you how they need to have a smartphone because all their friends have a smartphone and you think, no, my seven-year-old does not need a smartphone, it is okay to tell your friend or your, your child that they can't have a cell phone because their friend has a cell phone. And if your teens um, are going to bed and they're tempted toward using their devices all night long, it's fine for you to shut off your internet at 10 p.m. or to have a rule where everybody's cell phone goes in the drawer in your bedroom at 10 p.m. or whatever that time you you think is why. So, yes, put some boundaries for your kids, but when you get to that crisis – that's time to start discipling if you haven't already. I I was typing away, Marty, when you were when you were saying those suggestions because I want to put some of these tips on uh, the site. And we only have three more minutes before our show is over. So first of all, I want to say thank you so much for your wisdom and for writing this book, and and also for coming on the show and sharing some of these um, insights. And when you said about your shutting your internet off internet off at 10. Uh, I had another friend that talked about her daughter who's in high school. She found out she was FaceTiming her boyfriend all night long. They mm-hmm. were just, you know, falling to sleep on the phone. And we, we, these are all things that were just, <laughs> it's catching us by surprise. So what would you, would that be your suggestion for her? And, and once again, I'm at the time crunch, we have two minutes here. Um, just saying, you know, we're shutting off the internet. Yeah. You know what? It, it, you need your sleep. I mean, it, it's common sense to us, not common sense to our teens. Uh, my kids, if I allowed them, uh, some of them would have been online watching movies all night. It, it's yeah. not just, it's not just Bad things, it'd be good things done to an excess. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think let's, let's get control. It's okay to get control of the things that want to take your kids out of control. Yeah. Well, thank you once again, Marty. If you could give one amazing, huge tip for first aid for us here surviving the rest of this quarantine, what, what would it be? And how can we find your book? Well, thank you so much for bringing me on the show. I do have one tip. In the midst of my worst crisis, I felt the Lord direct me, and I felt like he said, I don't want you parenting standing up. I want you parenting kneeling down. That means we need the Lord. He needs to partner with us. And so often we're self-sufficient. We, you know, prayer is the last resort, not the first resort. As for where folks can get my book, they can go to newgrowthpress.com. 
And all of my books are with the publisher, New Growth Press, or they could go to Amazon and look up Parenting First Aid or Marty Machowski, and they'll find it there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Marty. Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It, because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com. 